0: Welcome to Warren Yara's Uran Yuri. I'm recording from the Gadigal Land in the heart of Sydney, Australia. Warren Yara is a Gadigal name meaning to seek, which sums up the mission of our health professions education research network here at the University of Sydney. And Uran Yuri means many voices, which our podcast represents. So I'd like to pay my respects to the elders, past, present, and emerging of all the lands on which we're present, and to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples listening. I'm here with Mike Dunn, talking about his study published in the International Journal of Speech and Language Pathology, published online in July 2023, with his colleagues, Merrily Penman and Gillian Nisbet entitled, Exploring the Outcomes of a Reflective Teaching Strategy with Students, a Feasibility Study. Hi, Mike. Hi. Hi. I wonder if we could start off by exploring What's the big problem that your research aims to address?
1: Uh, Great question. And I think, in a word, engagement in reflection. Well, that's a couple of words there. Um, But engagement in reflection as an ongoing learning strategy. It's not just thinking about reflection as a tick box activity, uh, uh, do it once, thanks, that's it. It's about Thinking of reflection as a lifelong learning activity and making that a positive experience for the the reflectee and and the facilitator.
0: And when you say reflection, what, what do you mean? You know, what how do you reflect? What's the what, mm. what's that all about?
1: That's that's the room for debate there. It's, it's, uh, there's a lot of definitions on what reflection is and what it can mean, but the reflection I kind of turn to is the thinking and feeling you do on or, or about an experience to gain a greater insight or understanding. That's where I think the flexibility of reflection as an ongoing learning strategy can be really helpful for health contexts.
0: What sort of um, approaches to reflection are in the literature?
1: Uh, equally as varied as the the definition, uh, you, you can get a, a, a realist approach, which is thinking of reflection as um, something you do and then it's done. A very kind of technical. Or you can get a, a more constructivist approach, where it, it's a bit more of an ongoing process, and there's there's contextual influences that will, will continue to evolve your understanding. Of the experience and um, your ongoing um, learnings from from those understandings.
0: It's really interesting. And and what about this particular study that we're talking about here? How how did that come about?
1: So that that takes a more constructivist approach, recognizing that there is a lot of variation in the literature as well as variation in student learning approaches. And so to have one specific approach is is potentially limiting. And so the intervention described in the paper um, comes from a constructivist approach. Tell us a bit
0: about your intervention.
1: So it it used a combination of cognitive and behavioural supports. So cognitive being um, a bunch of guides, some scaffolds, some questions, a short lecture with videos, and then behavioural with the um, educator support and supervision, a bit of mentoring there. But also there was a near peer involved. So in this study, uh, there were second-year students um, being mentored by fourth year students. So you had a a kind of a a near-peer relationship which provided some some meaningful and and timely feedback on the reflections.
0: Oh that's really interesting. So in terms of assessment, was your intervention, was it formative? So it was just for, you know, not just for learning, but it was for learning and and development. Or or was there a summative element? Did they get a mark? Did that go down officially on their on their, their assessment,
1: uh, it was a, it was designed to be a formative intervention to to build learning and to support learning gradually across time. The the challenge in that is the facilitation of that learning or those those reflections were done by educators who were also completing summative assessments on the student at the end. So whilst the reflection was formative. There is a challenge and a, and a potential for educators to implicitly or unconsciously take out some of those thinking or the clinical reasoning that's happening within the student reflection to, to their, their summative assessment. And so whilst the activity is formative, there's a challenge when it gets to the end point and that a competency assessment is,
0: is being made. That's fascinating because I was reading the paper earlier and I did notice that not just the educators, but the students were also aware that those people who were receiving their reflections were going to be assessing them in a different domain. But they also mentioned I, I noted some were kind of I don't know if we call it playing the game, but they were, they were. Impression managing Mm. a bit to help. Yeah, yeah. So try to talk a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, this was a really interesting part of the study. I found during the analysis, there were some students who genuinely engaged with reflection and and were were open and honest and felt safe doing so. But there were also some students who recognised that their educator was looking at this, and they were a little bit more um, strategic. In in mm. how they uh, presented an experience or, or an event or their reflection, uh, and and there's a there's a great reference in there I can't remember off the top of my head about sun shining, so so framing their experience in a positive light of I I did X and Y and I've learned this because of it or my educator is expecting me to to show an emotion about this I need to write that I I I was emotive <laughs> about this. And so they're they're kind of thinking of it as a little bit of a recipe, which is problematic for engaging with reflection meaningfully for learning.
0: That's fascinating. And and I'm just going to come back to that because it's kind of a constructivist, you know, approach really, isn't it? Understanding that we make meaning through the interactions and those we're interacting with. So the meaning that some of them made of their reflections was quite different to the ones that you'd intended them to to adopt. And so before we talk a little bit more about that, I just wonder if you wanna tell me about the variety of student approaches to written reflections. You talk, cause you've talked about realist and constructivist approaches to reflections. How did students in your study approach this?
1: Mm. So the intervention was was student informed and so student led, so students could select what they wanted to reflect upon within the intervention and that recognises that for this to be used as an ongoing strategy, they're, they're gonna to need to do that in the future. What was happening with the different approaches broadly, you had some students doing an event-based reflection where they would focus on a personally meaningful event from their, their placement. And that was really good for them to kind of delve deep but limited their understanding across time. Then you had those students who, who, who focused their reflections on their goals. And these were those students that really wanted to achieve and demonstrate that they've they've, they've made progress. That's where you, you're kind of risking uh, their ongoing engagement with reflection as a learning process versus ticking a box for an assessment. And then finally, you had the summary-based reflections where the student would provide a uh, a narrative or you know a critical narrative on some personally meaningful events across the time the challenge in that is if the reflection was done early on the student didn't have enough to talk about versus later on in a placement when they had too much and they they struggled to to work out what was salient and what was not
0: so did you get them to do this reflection more than once in their placement?
1: Yeah, it was done at the, the middle of the placement and then at the end. And that, that fitted into the, the usual reflection cycle within the, the course curriculum. And so it wasn't trying to change too much, but just tweak the, the process of undoing their reflection.
0: So despite the fact that you approached this from a constructivist perspective, and that probably came through in the materials that you used, I'm guessing, students took the opportunities to reflect using a variety of different kind of approaches including non-constructivists and we've talked earlier about how they were you know strategic in their actual reflections to what extent do you think that interaction between the student and the educator affected their their reflections
1: i think it was a a really strong influencer on, on the student educator relationship the educator has a lot of influence uh, and, and they can guide in a particular direction. And sometimes that direction is the same direction as, as course outlines and course expectations, but it may differ to what the student understands. And this was the interesting point for me, and, and something that I kind of came away with was there is a huge amount of variation within the literature base. Why are we expecting students and or educators to reflect one way? I think uh, looking at it broadly and thinking, well, there is a realist evidence base. There is a constructivist evidence base. Having educator and student discussions about how but also why they want to reflect I think is really important.
0: So you don't think there's a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it?
1: No, not at all. <laughs> I, I think if you're having a positive uh, relationship with reflection, you're more likely to reflect, and if you're more likely to reflect, you're more likely to do it and gain new insights and understandings.
0: But some of your participants did use this as a bit of a tick box, didn't they? I mean, students do often approach things from a tick tick box mentality. What's your thoughts about this moving forward in terms of those students' professionalism and professional growth? And, you know, we started off this conversation, you said it's about growth, but when you use it as a tick box, what's your thoughts in that space?
1: Yeah, look, I agree that there's, there's always going to be a, a portion or a percentage of students that that kind of use it as a tick box, and that is a risk. And something that would be really great for educators to be aware of. So if educators are more aware of students using reflection as a tick box exercise, rather than as a meaningful learning activity or ongoing learning activity, then they can, they can remediate or put in strategies to, to explore why they're, they're using the tick box and perhaps move them along to a more meaningful engagement with reflection.
0: So do you think that there's um, I mean, this sounds to me like faculty development, staff development needs to be done in the space of reflection to develop our educators in that space?
1: I um I think actually there's 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 room for for both faculty development but also student development. And that was one of the things that came out throughout my my research journey today is that. Mm, the studies and this this may be pragmatic the studies are focusing on one cohort versus the other and so some studies focus on students some studies focus on educators i think taking a holistic understanding is is really going to be of benefit to, to future research
0: so these this is the next steps i guess mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next steps and, yeah, building on on the those outcomes of, of variation within the literature base and within educators and students. That's great.
0: Thanks, Mike. I've been talking with Michael Dunn about his study published in the International Journal of Speech-Language Pathology, published online in July 2023 with his colleagues Merrily Penman and Gillian Nesbitt entitled Exploring the Outcomes of a Reflecting Teaching Strategy with Students, Feasibility Study.